All right, good morning and welcome again to Faith. We're so glad that you're here together with us and we're going to be looking this morning in the book of Acts and we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 beginning with verse number 6 going to verse number 13. What is taking place here is after Peter and John had gone up to the temple and while going up to the temple they saw a man who had been lame He had apparently been carried to the temple for many years, and he was hoping to get money. And Peter and John had performed a miracle by the man being raised up and walking. And they're they're telling him, he, he looks up at them as if they were going to give him money, and they said, we don't really have any any money, silver and gold, we don't have, but here's the thing, they said, uh, arise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, that got the ruling leaders pretty upset, and let's take a look at how they respond in starting in verse number 6. Verse 6 begins, as well as Annas the high priest, they had been brought before the ruling body of the Jews, the Sanhedrin. These were, this was made up of about 70 men. They were fairly rich, they were powerful, and they were the, the, the leading rulers of their day. It was like the Jewish Supreme Court. And they were brought before, as we're told in verse 5, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, this were Peter, John, and they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, I find it very interesting that these who were in this ruling body, now remember, they were primarily made up of a group that we called, that were called Sadducees. These Jews rejected the idea of the resurrection. They didn't believe in a resurrection. As a matter of fact, there was a reason why I believe that they came down on the side of not believing in a resurrection. The way things worked in Rome, Rome was led, obviously, by the Roman rulers, and the Jews were pretty well tolerated. But what happened was Rome said, you guys can do your religious thing, and these religious leaders were allowed to hold court for religious laws. If anybody broke up a religious law, an Old Testament law, then they could hold court over that, which is basically what was being done here. But what they were doing, what the Sanhedrin, what this ruling body was doing was, they politically... They came down on the side of expedience, meaning if we keep Rome happy, we keep our money, we keep our jobs, we keep our prestige. The problem with the resurrection was the Jews believed that in the resurrection, when the Messiah would come, if there was a resurrection, when the Messiah came, he would upset Rome, he would throw off the chains of tyranny, and be the Jews would be ruling again. So in the reality is, if the Messiah had come, and if Jesus happened to be the Messiah and he rose again, then there goes our job. And so they were in difficulty with that because of the way that 
Peter and John did this. They said, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then they explained to them that Jesus Christ had risen again. The, the problem was for this, these political Jews, they couldn't even bring themselves to admit that they had seen a miracle. The thing is, I'm sure probably most of these guys had walked by the temple on their way to the temple and had seen this guy who couldn't walk begging for money. And many of them may have given him some money and piously prayed for him as they walked into the temple. And now they see him walking. So they couldn't deny the miracle, but they couldn't bring themselves to actually call it a miracle. So verse 7, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this, this thing? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, in verse 8, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are, are judged for a good deed, so I, you, can, the, you can see the irony dripping from this statement. Uh, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be made known to you all. And do you, do you, do you hear and do you sense the boldness? In Peter, as he's speaking, this is the third time Peter has had the opportunity to speak up. And here he is speaking up very clearly to the highest Jewish leaders of the land, elders, scribes, which were the the leaders, the, the teachers of the law, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then he digs the knife in a little deeper, whom you crucified, and then here it is whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you. And again, they know exactly what he's talking about because for a Jew schooled in the Old Testament, they knew that the stone referred to God, possibly the Jews and David upon which the the whole covenant was, was based, and, and the, the ministry and the, the leadership of David would continue in the coming Messiah. They knew he would come from the lineage of David. So the kingdom of David would be resurrected, so to speak, in the Messiah. The stone which was rejected by you, builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now imagine... You reject the resurrection. You are rejecting that Jesus was the Messiah because you want to keep your cushy job and you want to keep Rome happy with you. And so now they're being told that they crucified the Messiah. They're being told that God raised him from the dead. And they're being told that he is the chief cornerstone that was talked about in the Old Testament. And verse 13 nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, the one that they chose, that and remember, this Sanhedrin is the same ruling body that put Jesus to death just a few months before. They were the same ruling body that declared he's guilty, 
and we want him to die, and we sentence him to death. Cross a Roman cross that was reserved for the the worst criminals around. The same ruling body, the same one that crucified Jesus, is the one that Peter is saying. There's no salvation. There's no way that you can be right with God except going through Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, by which we must be saved. And then, the meaning of our title this morning, they were bold, they were daring, but these religious leaders didn't think too much about these men. Because in the words of the Greek and the Scripture, they considered them uneducated, they considered them, and the word literally means illiterate, they didn't think they were very smart. Here's what they have to say. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, illiterate, and untrained men, they were fishermen standing before the highest court in the land, in the, at least in, in Jerusalem, before the Jews, before the Sanhedrin, how did, these, how did this Jewish Supreme Court respond? We can't believe it. Listen to these men. Listen to this man speak. He's illiterate, or at least we think he's illiterate. He hasn't been through the, the leading schools of the day. He didn't go to Harvard. He didn't go to MIT or wherever. The, he, didn't, he didn't sit under the... the uh, these guys didn't sit train religious Jewish of the law. They marked. And there's the whole of the mess morning. They realized, came bit Jesus. Let's pray. Help us to understand how having spirit, how being with Jesus, spending time with Him, will make us so different that the world has to know. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The world had been rocked by the of love at the cost. And at Pentecost, it launched a massive response to the culture and soul. Being saved by Peter's preaching, chapter 2. Uh, miracles were taking place, mighty answers to prayer uh, were evident throughout the community. All these things were going on. Miracles. Lame man had been healed by these men called repentance and faith. Five thousand or to after the children of church. Religious ups and question by the priest. Question uh, Peter on here in verse through a look again, advocates as and a priest, Caiaphas, John, and Sander, as many as were a family of the high priest. Another little side note here. Uh, what we see the, the previous high priest had been deposed, but his son-in-law uh, takes, takes place, takes his place. There was a lot of nepotism going around. What happened was, uh, these religious bodies kept it, in the, the religious leaders kept it in the family. When one would get too old, they would give it to a family member, and on and on and on. And so this Sanhedrin, this ruling body, was, it was kept in the family because there was a lot of other things besides just being part of the ruling body. It came with a lot of other uh, side gigs. And so they were wealthy, they were well-known, they were popular, they were, they were, part, of, they were part of the pollution, so to speak, because they allowed them to have their position. So they were gathered here at Jerusalem, and when they set them in the midst, they asked, by what or by what name have you done this? It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, he says, let it be meant to you, 
to you all, and of the Israel, the name of Christ, of whom, whom God the dead, by him, let me go back to my slide, him, this man stands before you, made whole. So what we have is Peter and John standing before this group of the Jews. Peter speaks to them. Peter pointed to God's power in the healing of the lame man. How did you do this? By what power? By what authority? Notice, what was the question they asked? They didn't ask, how did you do this? They didn't question the fact that they did it. This, this really was not a legal court proceeding. But they didn't really care, they, because they were so upset and adamant about squashing this new and this new religious thing that was going on that they were doing their best to silence the believers. So to God's power and the healing of the lame man. And what does he do? He reminds them, he reminds his sinners of cross, like I saw in verse 10. He says, remember Jesus? He said, let it be, made, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it's by this man that stands that this man stands before you whole. It's by Jesus that this man stands before you whole. Declared the resurrection to people by the resurrection. And if they believed the resurrection, it would, up, it would potentially upset the power that they had. So he insists as well in verse 11 that faith in Jesus Christ was the only way to be right with God. This is the stone by which the built was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. He says in verse number 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, that's our introduction this morning to what we're going to look at this morning. What we see is these leaders were amazed at Peter and John, the men that they thought were not very smart, were illiterate, were not, not schooled. They were fishermen. They responded with amazement to John. The first thing is because, number one, they recognized their daring. They recognized that they were bold. They recognized that even though they knew that they could be in danger, they knew they could be put in prison, that they had enough daring that even though they had previously been told not to speak about this Jesus, because they were daring, and they had arrested the day before. Think about it. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. They had already been arrested for talking about Jesus. The next day, the sun comes up, and they're questioned. They openly, daringly, talk about Jesus and accuse this ruling body of putting the Messiah to death and say, there's only one way for salvation, and it's through this Jesus Christ. The reason why they were arrested, and very possibly they could be beaten, or stoned and put to death, because of their love for Christ, they were daring, and they recognized, the leaders recognized their goodness. They recognized daring. Uh, verse 3, they laid hands on them, put them in custody uh, until the next day, for it was already evening. They knew that preaching about the cross was dangerous, 
teaching about Jesus could have cost their lives. But people were responding. As we said earlier, 5,000 people had trusted Christ. Standing firm for the gospel was a dangerous thing to do. Do you realize that dangerous today? People may lose their job if they stand up the gospel. Some people may risk losing their job just by bringing a Bible to work. Having a, reading the Bible at their desk on their break or on their lunch hour. There are many people who have been threatened to be fired because of that. That this was a, a book that was not allowed in the workplace. Or they were not allowed to talk about Jesus while they were on the clock. And I understand that. But you know what? When there's a break time or when you're at lunch, and when you have the opportunity to talk to someone and they ask you a question, we should have the opportunity. And I, you, know, I, you know what? Whether we're told we can or can't, what do you think Jesus would expect us to do? Do whatever it is that he calls us to do at that moment. And if it's to speak up for him, it means that we are to speak up for him. So refuting their enemies here, fueled the fire of persecution. Look at verse 13. And this is where we get not only the title of our message, but our main points. They saw their daring. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness, here's the daring that we see. They saw that they were bold. These leaders marveled at their boldness in the face of danger. Here's the question. Do others see us boldly declaring our faith? Do others see us talking about Christ? Do other people hear us talking about Jesus, even when it's not popular? Because there are groups of people where the name of Jesus is really, really, really not popular at all with. But are we bold enough to speak? Um, I uh, There's guy that I, that I know that uh, has been uh, worked for uh, Lake Charles for some period of time, retired a few years ago, uh, visited uh, them in the hospital. His wife was having surgery a few weeks ago and uh, got a chance to talk to him and, and ask if thought I could pray with his wife. He said, well, she's agnostic. Well, but she's, she's heard me pray before. And uh, not ashamed to talk about Jesus. Now, she may, mm, she may shrug her shoulders and not want to talk about him. But the thing is, as he said, she at least respects that you believe it. <laughs> and so that should not keep us. Just because a person either denies or questions shouldn't keep us from talking to them about Christ. So the question is, do others see us boldly declaring our faith, even when it's not popular. Here's the second thing. Their research, they had looked into, I'm sure, they had looked into these two guys who had been following Jesus, and they were known to have been followers of Jesus. So the leaders in their research indicated these men were, in fact, uneducated. They were fishermen. They were not the uh, intellectual elite of their day. They had not sat under the teaching of a famous rabbi. Uh, they were simple fishermen who were probably rough around the edges, probably 
uh, were, were, were not the, uh, the, the sharpest when it came to social graces and manners, but knew what they believed and were bold about what they believed about Jesus. So they, they thought that they were not very smart. And so one of the reasons they marveled was, not only did they marvel at their daring, but they marveled at how can these people, how can this Peter speak so, so eloquently, not being educated? So how could this Peter be so eloquent? Well, think about what was Peter like before he received the Holy Spirit? He might have been bold in certain, in certain places, but he was the one that denied Jesus Christ three times while Jesus was being questioned. Peter was the one who <clears throat> uh, wanted to walk on the water but didn't have the, the faith to, and so he looked at the, the, the wind and the waves and the sea. He was the one that, liter- that, that usually opened his mouth and inserted his foot. But this timid or this fearful Peter now becomes bold Peter and he eloquently tells this ruling body that they were the ones who put the Messiah to death and there was only one way to salvation and that is through Jesus Christ. So the Educational Background Committee came back and said they've got none. Let's look at verse 13. So when they saw Peter and John, the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. These powerful preachers were called unlearned. They were called ignorant. And the word that was used literally means illiterate. So they were saying, how in the world can these illiterate men make such bold statements? And they marveled at them. Uh, Their critics concluded they were ignorant, but then this raised even more questions. How is this? I mean, they performed this thing where this lame man of the temple walked. By what power and whose authority did you do this? And then they received this eloquent response. So it, it raised more questions than it answered. So how could these... Ignorant men, as they would consider them, how could they be so dynamic? How could the uneducated be so discerning? Well, I believe it's because of this. They reasoned that their resource had to be divine. Now, they didn't admit it, but I'm sure they looked among themselves and said, well, I guess because these guys had been around Jesus. So they reasoned that their resource must have been Jesus, but we know Jesus was divine. We know that Jesus is God, and we know that the time that these men spent with Christ, we know that the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ sent made all of this possible. Something was going on here that transcended human ability. Something was going on with these unlearned, untrained men that went far beyond anybody's human ability. We know it is the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ sent, that on the day of Pentecost, when they received the Holy Spirit, they were endued with power, as Jesus said. Wait here, tarry in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit, and then you will be my messengers, not only to Jerusalem, Judea, but to the uttermost part of the earth. 
these unprepared ones, in their eyes, had become great preachers. These untaught ones had become effective teachers. They were teaching, and they somehow knew the Old Testament. Somehow they knew enough to teach others. But there's only one answer. They had been with Jesus. So as we think about this, these men, Peter and John, untrained, ignorant in the eyes of the leaders, could make such a difference by their daring and their powerful preaching were changing the world. People were trusting Christ. People were coming to Jesus. People's lives were being changed. Paul would later write in Second Corinthians, excuse me, First Corinthians, chapter one. And I'd like to close with this: If we think that we don't have much to offer, because haven't been to Bible college, haven't been to seminary, don't know a lot about the Bible, then don't lose heart. Because here is the thing: If you spent time with Jesus, and you have God's Holy Spirit within you. You have everything you need to make a difference in someone else's life for eternity. Look at verse 13. Well, Acts, Acts 4.13, we just <clears throat> we saw that. But let's look at <clears throat> excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1.27-29. Verse 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God will use some that the world would have to look at and say, how can it be? If he had chosen all eloquent, if he had chosen all highly educated and very brilliant people, then they would say, well, that's just, that's just common. Uh, because that's what brilliant people do. But what about people who haven't been to Bible college, haven't sat under, or haven't sat at the feet of a great learned Bible teacher. God uses the things that the, the wise and the educated, and I use air quotes for that, that the educated would consider foolish to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. The things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. And why does God do this? So that no flesh, that no, no human being, no person would be able to glory in the presence of God and say, well, mankind did it. When we stand before God, we have to understand and realize that it's because of him. So this morning, don't conclude that you don't have much to offer. Because if you know Christ as your Savior, you can be daring, and you can be bold, and you have all that it takes to make a difference in this world. God has, u- God has used, and God often uses the untaught ones to bring him glory. God can even use children from the mouth of babes. We've seen many. The Holy Spirit has softened their heart. 
Because through the innocence of a child, old enough to speak, why don't you trust Jesus? How do you answer a four-year-old when they ask that question? (laughs) God uses the weak. God can use the untaught. God can use any of us. And you know what? Even if you have a college degree, even if you have a, a seminary or a graduate degree, God can use you too. I meant that as a joke. Uh, in reality, all, all joking aside, God can use any of us at any time, anywhere, even though we think we're out of our element. God can still use us. So they figured these guys are daring. How can it be that they're so daring? These guys are uneducated. How can it be that they're making such a bold plea? And how are they making such a... uh, How are they speaking the way they are with with such uh, conviction? Well, they reasoned that they had been with Jesus. And they thought Jesus was just another lunatic. But we know better. We know that he is God. That he was God in the flesh. And he is seated at the right hand of God the Father today. God often uses the untaught ones for his glory. And he will use you and he will use me. As we surrender our all to him. So this morning as we look at our next steps. Number one, just simply be daring for Jesus. Do something daring for him. Second thing is spend time with him. Because what made the difference? In, with, with Peter and John. They had spent time with him. They had spent time with Jesus. They had spent some three, three, three and a half years with Jesus, learning from him, learning life lessons, traveling with him, walking from place to place with him. I'd spent probably untold number of nights out under the stars with Jesus giving them life lessons and stories from his creation. And then thirdly, next step may be to share our faith with others. To spend time with someone telling them about Jesus. Sharing our faith with someone who needs to know know about the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are so thankful for the power that you provide. We are so thankful for the ability you give us to declare your glory, to share our faith. And may we do it with daring, may we do it with boldness, may we do it in the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, may we make a difference in the lives of others. May we make a difference in this city. May we make a difference in this universe. Simply by speaking about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you again, Father, this morning for each one who is here. May we make a difference in the lives of others as we go through our daily routines this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.